Well, I was planning on sharing something today, but as I just, as it happened often, I was just standing here and all of a sudden I got recalculate, you know, I got redirected in a different direction. And so I believe that God has a purpose. It's, it's interesting because in the last year, it seems that there is two subjects that God always has me on and won't let me go. And, and, and it's interesting because when you read the, um, the last words of Jesus Christ from in John 13, it said that Jesus knew that he was getting ready to go back to the Father. He knew his time was coming. And then from John chapter 13 all the way to John 17, you can really uh, uh, see the last words of Jesus to the disciples. And what did he mainly talk about? The Holy Spirit and love. And it seems that these are the two subjects that God has me in, the, in this last year continually talk about. The Holy Spirit and love. Amen. Amen. And so this morning, I have a message for you. And it might not be a message that's going to make you want to shout hallelujah and run around the room and get all excited, gooey, hooey, gooey. But it is a message that if you listen to it and you let it get into your heart, it can literally change your life. Why? Because it has changed mine. Because how many of you know that God has a plan for every one of you? Whether you are 16, 12, or whether you are 99 or 120, God still has some things for you to do. But we live in the world where the devil doesn't want the sons of God to fulfill the call of God on their lives. Even though God, the Bible says in Romans 8, that God is on our sides. That God will do everything he can to let, get you on track, to help you to fulfill his will. God will do everything, will send people, he will do anything he can to try to help you do his will and for you to be blessed. But there is an enemy that will do everything he can to derail you from the plan of God. Amen. And it's interesting, if you open with me to Matthew 24, how many of you believe with me that we are in the last days? Yeah. In the last of the last days. Right. I know they've said that from generation to generation. You know, if you're probably 90 years old, you probably heard that when you were in Sunday school. But the fact is that the, when you listen to the, to the news and to, to see what's happening in the Middle East and around the world, you know that the, it, that didn't happen 100 years ago. It's happening right now where things are taking place and things are happening where you can see the imminent return of the Lord. Amen. And I believe and I pray that it will come in my lifetime. Yep. Amen. But Jesus in Matthew 24, and please be at rest. I'm not going to teach on end time doctrines. I'm not going to tell you who the Antichrist is how, because I don't know. But in Matthew 24, as the, the disciples were with Jesus, and he was talking about some of the things that would happen in the end times. And of course he said, you know, in verse 4, he says, take heed. Matthew 24, verse 4, he said, and take heed that no one deceives you. One of the things that will happen in, the, in, in deception, people will be easily deceived. But then he started to talk about some things that would happen, you know, 
wars, rumors of wars, earthquake, and all kind of, you know, disasters, nations against nation, and, and we see that. We see that. Amen. But that's not where I want to go. In verse 10, it says, And then one of the signs of the end times, it says, Many will be offended. Many will betray one another and will hate one another. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow or will wax cold. And interesting here that Jesus was warning the disciples about something that would happen not in the world but in the church. He says, because sin will abound, the love of most, the love of most, yes, in the church will grow cold. He says, many will be offended, many will hate one another, many will be in strife with another. Because what does it mean to be offended? When you're offended, what does it mean? It means that you're hurt, yes. It means that uh, 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 you get angry, you, you become resentful and angry. It means that if Sister Bertha come to church and she did something wrong to you, you see her and um, she sits there, I'm going to go and sit right over there, as far as I can from her. You know what I mean? You walk in the street and here is somebody that has offended you and all of a sudden you can't even look at them in the eyes. You can't even say, hey, hello, how are you doing? I love you today. You just go and pretend you're looking in another window. <laughs> hello. That's right. it's, it's, it's silent in this Catholic church this morning. <laughs> Dominus Patre. <laughs> but it is the truth. Yep. Offense. Is something gets into your heart, you get hurt in your heart. You get uh, 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 resentful. And it means that it is hard then to love the other person. And it's interesting because that word offended or offense, it's the Greek word skandalon. Now, you said, what does, this have? what does it mean? That word skandalon was a Greek, a Greek word that was used in the jungle when a trapper would try to catch a monkey. He would build a cage made out of bamboo, and he had, you know, bamboo pieces all around. He had a little door, and inside the cage, there was a movable stick, but it was attached to the inside of the cage. And what would they do? They would take bananas attach it to the stick and that stick was attached to the cage and then they would place the cage with the bananas inside and they would go and hide behind the bush and then of course the smell of the bananas uh, would attract the monkeys and the monkeys would come <laughs> and would go and get a hold of the banana but they were so smart they would not go through the door and enter the cage they would go from the outside put their hand inside the cage grab the banana and try to pull it out but the banana is attached to the inside of the cage so they try to get it out and get it out and get it out and they can't you know what, well, what do they do? They get so frustrated that they lose track of what's around them. And all of a sudden, the trapper gets out of the bush and <laughs> hits it on the head. And that's the end of the monkey. And you said, Audrey, what does this have to do with love 
and with the Bible. It has everything to do with love because many Christians today, they are just like that monkey. They get offended and they refuse to let go of the offense. If that monkey had chosen to let go of the banana, his life would be spared. But because he refused to let go, the enemy destroyed him, destroyed it. In the same way today in the body of Christ, the Christian that refused to let go of the offense is like that monkey. What they do not realize is that offense is not a coincidence. It's not just something that just happened. That offense is a setup. It is a, tra a trap of the devil set on your path to derail you from the will of God, to derail you from the blessings of God. And just like that monkey, a Christian that refused to let go of the offense loses track of what's around. And the enemy is only one objective is to come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And many Christians today are living in, 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 in chaos, living in sickness, living, and they don't understand why, God, I'm praying. Why, God, am I not blessed? Why am I still sick? What they don't know is that just like that monkey, somewhere along the road and along the way, they got offended. And they have still not yet let go of the offense. And they've lost track of what's around. And poof, the enemy comes to destroy them. Thank you for that one amen. It is true. I'm not preaching something that I have not lived and I have not noticed. I remember, and you know what is interesting, is that the devil will use the people the closer to you. Yep. He's not going to use a neighbor somewhere that you don't care about. He's going to use the people that are so close to you that these are the people who have the potential to really hurt you. Amen? And you wonder, but why, why would uh, somebody refuse to forgive? Why would somebody refuse to let go of the offense? That is a good question. Like what, why, why? The fact is a person that refused to forgive, what is their logic and their thinking? They said, if I don't forgive, it's like, I'm gonna make them pay. It's like, I'm gonna make them suffer. But what they don't know, to me, it's like you drinking poison and then waiting to see the other person to is gonna die. Hello? Who is the poison going to affect? You. And it's going to affect you from the inside. And that, you know, really that offense acts just like a poison, a spiritual poison. It gets down into your heart. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrew, it says that it starts growing roots into your heart. And the more and the deeper the roots grow, the harder it is to pull it out. Amen. Glory to God. But what people don't understand is that when they stay in offense, number one, they lose their peace and their joy. Have you ever been around somebody who is offended? And that has been offended for a long time? That has low and deep roots of bitterness inside? That's the sister goes... You know why? Because they contaminate everybody around them. You know, they start, they, they open their mouth and pff, it's like 
poison being spewed out. And they talk about, you don't know what he did to me. And then they go and they give every detail. And then you said, when did that happen? 20 years ago. <laughs> you expected, you know, she said one week ago. No, no. <laughs> you lose your joy and you lose your peace. And then also, you really lose your testimony. What is Jesus told us? He said, they will know me by the love you have one for another. And how can you love somebody and look at them in the eyes and say, Sister, I just love you. And bless somebody and be a blessing in the body of Christ if you cannot even look at them in the eyes and love them. You lose your testimony. You cannot shine the light of Jesus with bitterness and offense in your heart. Hello, yes. But most importantly, and that's what I want to talk about, is that it is, becomes impossible for God to bless you. You said, how can this be? Yes, God wants to bless every one of us. The truth of the matter is God has already blessed us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3 says that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God has already blessed us. But what happens for a person that remains in offense? They, they heart, their own heart starts condemning them. And the Bible says in 1 John, in, in 1 John I believe 1.20 and 21, it says that if your heart condemns you, you have no confidence before God and you cannot receive. Example. I see there are some people in the Bible that were that close from getting a miracle from God. Or people that got a miracle from God because they chose to forgive. An example. You remember Naaman in 2 King, And I believe, let me see, the, the, it was in 2 King chapter 5. There was a man, he was a prominent man. I mean, he was on the top of the, the echelon. He was the right hand of the, the king and one of the general. And he was, you know, rich, prominent. He was a man of influence and power, but he was a leper. But he had, thank God, a little servant who was a Hebrew child. And he went to him and said, Master, there is a prophet in Israel that can heal you has the power to heal you so what did they do naaman went to the king and asked permission to go to israel and but he didn't go by by himself he had a whole delegation of people he had camels and donkeys and horses full of stuff silver gold and clothes and on and on i mean he was getting ready to go and bless the men of god and so here we go with a whole delegation. And they go and they travel a long way. Israel was not next door. I don't know how long it took them to go to Israel. But when they got there, finally, there is a, he sent somebody to knock at the door of the prophet. Gehazi, who is the prophet's servant, comes at the door, opens the door, and he says, can I help you? He says, yes, my master. You see that man behind? You see, he's an important man in our nation. He came, you know, uh, with the blessing of the king. And he came loaded with stuff, ready to bless you. 
But he has one request. He wants you to come and pray for him because somebody told him that you can heal him of leprosy. So Gehaiza is excited, gets back inside. He said, Master, 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 you wouldn't believe what I saw. There is a whole group of people there. They came from afar. They came from the king, you know, with the blessing of the king. And he's got, he's ready to, to bless you, man. He's ready to load you up. But he needs you to pray for him. So what does Elijah say? He said, just go back and tell him to dip seven times in the river. So Gehazi said, okay. He go back. He said, um, excuse me, but just go. See that dirty river over there? Just go and dip seven times. Now, can you imagine Naaman's reaction? Does he know who I am? Does he know where I came from? Does he know I can make him rich? He didn't even come at the door to say hi. He didn't even come at the door to shake my hand. You know, Naaman had a, a, a expectation. He thought that the prophet was going to come with all of his pomp and come, Oh God of heaven, open the sky and bless that man. Oh, you see how worthy he is, God. So go and pour your fire upon him, God. He expected the spectacular. And when the prophet didn't even come and show up at the door to say, Hi, glad you came. He got so offended, he got ticked off and furious. He said, What is it? Don't we have any river back home? Why would I have to go and dip in that dirty river? He got so offended that he turned around. He said, We're going back home. Forget about it. But thank God for that little servant. He said, Hey, 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 master. Just between you and I. But uh, you came from pretty far, right? Did he ask you to do something difficult? No. Well, don't you think it'd be smart maybe to do what the prophet says to do? And so thank God. He had enough sense. He said, you know what? I did come from pretty far. Yeah, what he asked me to do is not that hard. So what do I have to lose? And he made a course correction. Mm -hmm. He chose to forgive. He chose to let go of the anger, to let go of the offense, to let go of his uh, pre preconception and expectation. And he chose to forgive and said, you know what? Yeah. And he went and dipped in the river and came back completely healed. He was that close from receiving his miracle. There was another woman. You remember the Canaanite woman? She came to Jesus. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus just kind of ignored her. And she kept at it. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Finally, the disciple said, Jesus, do something. She starts getting on our nerves. Would you tell her to go and take a hike? And Jesus turned and says, it's not good to give the children's bread to the little dogs. Most of the Christians today would say, who are you calling? You calling me a dog? Who are you talking? You calling me a dog? Hold him, hold me, hold me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that woman, she did not allow offense to get into her heart. And Jesus turned around, looked at her and said, Oh woman, great is your faith. You want to walk in faith, you have to be somebody who is willing not to let offense get into the heart. It's a person that says, I will not accept offense. So I would make that decision. Say, God, I choose to forgive her. 
But you know, and you will probably know what I'm talking about. Every time I thought about that person, my heart would go, eh. Every time I heard her name, I couldn't even talk to her on the phone. I, you know, if I would see her, I couldn't even look at her in the eyes. It'd be like, it took everything in me. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And I said, God, but I forgave. I felt like I was still a prisoner of that person. And many of you might be in the same situation. You have said, God, I forgive her. But somewhere in your heart, it's the, the pain is still there. And you're still feeling trapped into that offense. And you don't know how to get it out. And, and I said, God, what do I do? Every day I said, God, I forgive her. Go, I forgive her. But every time it was like, mm. I could not talk about her. I couldn't think about her. I couldn't talk to her. Amen. And I said, God, what do I do? How can I become free from that? Because whether you know it or not, when there is offense against a person in your heart, you are a prisoner of that person. They have having control over your life. That person is still having control over your emotions. It is true. And I say, what do I do, God? And the Lord said, bless her. He said, how do you overcome evil? You overcome evil with good. And in the moment of her greatest needs, in the moment of her greatest needs, when she was the most vulnerable, God told me, go take some time off and be a blessing to her. And I took some time off and I went and I helped her and did everything I could to be a blessing to her. Do you know what happened? I got totally free. All of a sudden it was like, I could look at her, talk to her, hug her and say, I love you. And without any eh, in my heart. You know what I mean? So many of us sometimes we feel like, but God, I forgive. Why am I still feeling? That means that maybe we've got to do a little something extra. Overcome that evil with good. And you're going to find out that yes, maybe it's not going to change the person. Maybe they're still going to act like a, like a, a, yeah. I'm not going to say it on the microphone, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it will not change that person, but it's going to change you. You're going to become free. Free to love, free to shine, free to be blessed. Hallelujah. This is our greatest call in this last day. And that's why the devil attacks it more than anything. He attacks the Holy Spirit and he attacks us walking in the love of God. If a Christian, as sons of God, we can learn to walk, to respond from the love of God in us. And start loving others like God loves us. And we can walk filled, continually filled with the Spirit and the power of God. We're a powerhouse. We can now affect, uh, uh, affect our generation. Amen. 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 So this morning, I'm going to ask you something. If you can just close your eyes. Amen. Is that okay? Just close your eyes. We are family, are we not? We're just part of the family. Sisters and brothers. But it is the time for every one of us to be free. Free from any baggage. Free from anything that would slow us down and derail us from the will of God. If today you say, 
I need to make a choice today to let go of the hurt that somebody did to me. And yes, some of the things that people can do is pretty bad, pretty sad. And they will have to answer to God, I believe. They will have to live with themselves and, 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 and reap some of what they sow. But as far as you're concerned, you need to be free. You need to be free so can God can bless you. If it is you today, you said, you know what? I need to let go of it. I did not understand the damage that this offense could have on me, but today I know I understand. And so I choose to let go. If it is you, just raise your hand. I want to see it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Going to give you a couple more minutes. It's very simple. Might be hard, but it's simple. Anybody else? Yes. Hallelujah. Would you do something else for me? Would you come forward? Because I want to join my faith with yours and I want to pray for you. And once and for all, we want to let it go. Amen. Come on forward. Thank you, sister. Come on. Hallelujah. Today is Freedom Day. Glory to God. Hallelujah.